Opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the hosts and represent no other individual, organisation or entity. Good evening, Roger. Good evening, Adam. Sadly, we're not together in person this evening and the nights are shifting in, aren't they? Yes, it's already getting dark here because it is the 16th of September 2023 and if you've got anything that you'd like to share... You can email it to us at breakthenewspod at gmail.com. Because that's who we are. We are Adam and Roger Break the News, a podcast where every week Adam and I chat about the news, record it, edit it a little bit, and then bung it up on the internet for anyone who will listen. If you want to be part of it, Adam just told you the email. Get on it. Yep, definitely. We obviously have a lot of news to go through this week. You've got like three articles in one. I could have had several more, but uh, like I say, we're keeping this podcast minimal and um, I'm back at work this week by the sounds of things. All the best to earning that dollar. I'm well and truly back at work in earnest with the new school year and it's caught up to me today. I fell asleep on the couch for three hours this afternoon. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, but you've been out and about today, haven't you? I have, yeah, um, taking my kids to various things. But when I got home this afternoon, my wife was not very happy because I was supposed to be doing jobs and cleaning the house, and instead I fell asleep on the couch. Apparently she did try to wake me, but I just went, and fell back to sleep again. (laughs) But it means I'm wide awake for today's podcast, and I can give you the best of me, Adam, so... That's all right. Maybe I should have talked about my running. Sometimes I do, sometimes I forget. But like I said, I did get 2010, and then I had a lovely Toby Carvery afterwards. Oh, we've waxed lyrical about Toby Carvery on here before, haven't we? Talked about it a lot, yeah. I haven't eaten out all week this week. I've been a good boy, but I might treat myself next weekend. I'm trying to save some money up now. With Christmas looming and the day's getting darker, more time at home, more energy Mm. bills, fuel costs are rising. I just need to start tightening my belt again, I think. Definitely, yeah. On my way back from dropping the kids off today, I went to Asda and filled up the car for £1.49 a litre, and I thought, I bet this will be the last time this year I fill up the car for less than £1.50 a litre. Well, oil is rising. I don't know how long it's going to continue rising, but obviously there's always a lag effect, so there will be a bit more price rises to come. Uh, Whether it'll go down at all, I'm not sure. Um, It's very difficult to predict the oil prices. It all depends on how much oil is produced and how much oil is used. So it's a supply and demand issue as to how high and how low the oil price goes. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see what actually happens. Um, what do you think's happening with oil? Because at the moment, it's headed up to $91 a barrel. It wouldn't surprise me if before the end of 2025, we see fuel reach over £2 a litre. Do you reckon? Yeah, I think it's going to get really, really bad. Uh, that's, that's very depressing. Thankfully, I don't think it's going to get that bad. I think um, maybe it might rise a bit more, but it's unpredictable. But then I think we're going to head into a recession and then I think uh, that will um, hit oil prices and oil prices will actually come crashing back down. 
I'm glad we're talking about things like this because I honestly think the news has been distracting us this week. And that's why, as you said, Adam, I've got three articles in one here called The Great Distractions. This week I've noticed three massive pieces of news that have been flashing up in my newsfeed all of the time. And lots of people have been talking about it, but actually none of it matters. Um, So I've just got a quick sentence or two about each one. So first of all is this Channel 4 Dispatches documentary that's going to be on telly um, tonight, actually, in a couple of hours' time. Uh, Apparently, comedian and actor Russell Brand has been accused of rape, sexual assaults and emotional abuse during a seven-year period at the height of his fame. Now, this is a man who, for three years running, in the early 2000s, the Sun newspaper called him the Shagger of the Year. So it's not really much of a surprise that a man called the Shagger of the Year three years running has been a bit morally ambiguous is it no i haven't actually even heard much about this one i probably just haven't paid attention to it on the news websites i've probably just scrolled past gb news i've been talking about it which is probably why i haven't really seen this one and russell brand's had his day anyway so it's not news but it's everywhere another thing that's been everywhere this week is what will happen about american bully xls now i had never heard of an american bully xl before this week adam had you no but i've heard about it an awful lot this week yeah suddenly this week because the news media wants to create this narrative every day someone is getting attacked or hurt by an american bully xl seems the government have suddenly started caring and might do something about it but there will not be a cull of american bully xls the uk's chief veterinary officer said after rishi sunak announced the dogs will be banned do you think the dogs should be banned adam it's a dangerous breed maybe stops them being bred but i think a lot of the dog's responsibilities on the owners if people know they've got a dangerous dog then they have it on a lead don't they yeah and i think that is what it should be about people being responsible for their dogs. But the news media always wants to blame some sort of breed and it seems to be easy news for them, like they're distracting us from something. The third great distraction we've had this week was um, notification after notification saying NASA are having a press conference about UFOs. This is it, lads. Aliens, they're here. So there was this big press conference a few days ago where NASA officials spoke about newly published lengthy studies into hundreds of reports of UFOs, or UAPs as they're now called. And guess what they discovered, Adam? Uh, Well, they discovered some UFOs, didn't they? Yeah, but do you know how many aliens they discovered? How many? None! No aliens! What a shock! What makes you think these aliens exist? They must do, Lister. There's so many things that are strange and odd. So many things we don't have any explanation for. Like, um, why do intelligent people buy cinema hot dogs? Do you mean that sort of weird and mysterious thing? No, Lister, I mean like the pyramids. How did they move such massive pieces of stone without the aid of modern technology? They had massive whips, Rimmer. Massive, massive whips. Lister, don't you ever stop and wonder, why are we here? What's the grand purpose? Why does it have to be such a big deal? Why can't it be like, you know, human beings are a planetary disease? Like the Earth's got German measles or facial herpes, right? And that's why all the other planets give us such a wide berth. It's like, oh, don't go near Earth. It's got human beings, aren't they contagious? Oh, what do you believe in then? Do you believe in God? God, certainly not. What a preposterous thought. I believe in aliens, Lister. Oh, right, fine. Something sensible at last. <laughs> 
aliens, Lister, with technology so far in advance of our own we can't even begin to imagine. Look, that's not difficult. Mankind hasn't even got the technology to create a toupee that doesn't get big laughs. Remember, there's nothing out there, you know. There's nobody out there. No alien monsters, no Zargon warships, no beautiful blondes with beehive hairdos who say, show me some more of this earth thing called kissing. It's just you, me, the cat, and a lot of floating smeggin' rocks. That's it. Finito. I remember you sharing this with me and we had a debate on it and I thought they'd be out there somewhere, but obviously we just don't know because we're just not able to see all of space. It's too big. Absolutely. They are out there somewhere, but space and time are so big, the chances of us ever having contact with each other are just so minuscule, they might as well be impossible. We might find life out there one day, we might find slime, but the odds of us encountering another intelligent life in our lifetimes are so immensely slim, I'm definitely prepared to say it's not going to happen. And constantly speculating about it, particularly when you're speculating over what is obviously like a really bad picture, like a drop of water on a camera lens and saying that's an alien craft. That's how bad some of this so-called evidence is. It's just a waste of time and a waste of people's attention. So what is it they are distracting us from, Adam? I don't know. Um, That's a good question. I didn't even think of it ever as distraction. I just thought of it all as a really busy news week. Or maybe it's a really slow news week and they're filling it with this garbage. Well, it's not a slow news week. There's been the NHS waiting lists out. There's been the GGP data. There's been news about shoplifting. There's been news about wages, unemployment. Possibly they may be trying to distract us about the economy. Could have mentioned about the unemployment. I said last week it increased by either 4.3 or 4.4%, increased to 4.3%, but wages grew slightly more than expected. And also this past week we've seen commodity prices continuing to rise. Next week we do get the interest rates um decision um last week i predicted that uh, the bank would probably end up holding it but with all the date fresh data that's coming in and with commodity especially oil that's really surged in the past week i think they're going to hike them by 0.25 percent now and before i thought they were going to hold, hold to them but yeah unfortunately uh inflationary pressures do seem to be coming back one of the consequences of potentially the cost of living crisis is shoplifting. So a shop owner in the UK, Benedict Selvaratnam, faces up to nine shoplifting incidents daily with increasingly bold and aggressive criminals. The Federation of Independent Retailers representing 10,000 shopkeepers is urging government intervention to address the escalating issue. Shop staff endure verbal and physical abuse, prompting safety concerns and employee departures, the rise in shoplifting, ranging from individuals to organised gangs, has led to injuries and fears for personal safety. Mr. Selvaratnam calls for enhanced police presence and expresses disappointment in reported incidents receiving inadequate police response the metropolitan police acknowledges the challenge of responding to every case but emphasizes collaboration with stars 
to enhance reporting. The Federation President emphasises the urgency seeking a government grant to boost security for small retailers. Retail giants invest in anti-theft measures and support policing efforts contrasting the financial constraints faced by independent stores. The prevalent shoplifting issue has become an epidemic with substantial financial implications for retailers, as reported by the British Retail Consortium. Larger retailers join forces to fund Project Pegasus, a nationwide initiative to combat shoplifting through targeted strategies. Policing Minister Chris Phillip underscores its benefit for all retailers aiming to identify criminal networks. Some retailers offer incentives to law enforcement to enhance their presence and deter criminals, but smaller businesses like Mr. Selveritnam's lack such resources. Despite competing selling the star, the challenge remains a harsh reality for small businesses until substantial improvements are seen. What do you make of this shoplifting issue, Roger? Sadly, there seems to be a culture somewhere in our country where shoplifting is viewed as okay. It's a victimless crime. It's perfectly fine to go out and rob, and they're very mistaken. I heard about a um, incident in a hair extension shop in Peckham where a lady was on the rob, and her and the shopkeeper got into a fight, and the next day, loads of people were at that shop protesting... And, yeah. and it was so concerning, they had to shut up, shut up the shop. And the shopkeeper went into hiding because of it. Yet, yet it was the woman who um, committed the shoplift and the assault. He was trying to defend his property. Hopefully the police will investigate and fairly decide the extent of his violence against her. It's hard to tell exactly what he did from the social media clip. He does appear to put his hands on her throat but it could just easily be her shoulders as well. So it's a, it's a tricky one, though. When you've been faced with lots of shoplifting, though, surely you want to defend your property. Yeah, and people are getting desperate out there. I think people are desperate for goods and services that they feel entitled to without paying, and shopkeepers are getting desperate because they're losing a lot of profit and their businesses are becoming unviable. Well, that's true. We saw in the past week Lidl announced its results. I can't remember what the loss were, but it were it were several millions. I must, they made a massive loss this year, and they put it down to increased costs and also star openings. What are those increased costs? Are they producer costs? Are they the costs because everyone's stealing? It does beg the question as to whether this is actually making our inflation crisis worse. As you've said on the podcast before, Adam, the main victims of these thefts end up being the customers, sadly. A lot of other companies are making profit out of it, like energy companies, but retailers don't seem to be making the profit. Retailers seem to be losing because of this, and that's why our food prices are having to be hiked right up. That family of six who are walking around Lidl munching the crisps and all the items from the bakery... Uh, increasing the price for the rest of us shoppers. I agree. So I think I think something has to be done urgently because people are telling the mates that they're getting away with it from what I've read today. 
it seems to be in the news quite regularly now. At least it's been noticed. But how do the police get on top of this if there's so many people doing it? Catch them. Yes, that's the only way to do it. Once they start catching them, then it'll become a deterrent again and they'll stop doing it, won't they? Perhaps give security staff more training, protection and powers as well. But even so, they're probably scared. So we do we do need more, you know, more trained security, more trained police that can actually do it and obviously more prison space. Yeah, we need to speed up the court process. So I think there's an awful lot of stuff that's flawed in this country, which I am going to talk more about our country flaws later on. Do you think Labour are going to do much better? I have been trying to put hope in Labour because they are going to be our next government. And I watched carefully on BBC News today when they unveiled their details of Labour's policy blueprint. And unfortunately, it's left me cold. The Labour's policy blueprint, which was viewed by the BBC, highlights a commitment to avoid borrowing for day-to-day expenses, signalling a shift from the Corbyn era. The document allows borrowing for specific investments like... HS2, oh God, and Northern Powerhouse Rail within certain limits. A consultative process leading to the document witnessed tension, especially with the party's major founder, Unite, not fully participating. The document echoes previous statements by Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves regarding revenue generation, emphasising existing measures over new taxes. It outlines investment in the NHS and free breakfast clubs, which we already have, but omits some proposed policies due to cost concerns. The focus on workers' rights is a prominent feature, although critics perceive it as a dilution compared to earlier drafts. The document sets a direction for Labour's priorities, acknowledging financial constraints. It emphasises reforming public services and the planning system, along with addressing institutional reforms like replacing the House of Lords. Notably, the manifesto to be voted on at the upcoming Labour conference will draw from this programme but may not encompass every policy. Some factions within Labour find the approach not bold enough, advocating for more aggressive policies to address the pressing national challenges. What do you think, Adam? I don't think it sounds too bad. Like I say, HS2, that's a waste waste of money, isn't it? And I think we can both agree on that. But like I said, there was stuff out about, um, I know it didn't mention it in the blueprint. Um, They've kept quiet in the blueprint, which gives me suspicions. But Keir Starmer produced a plan for immigration this week. And his plan meant signing back up with Brussels to actually share the migrants out, so he expects that the EU will take our migrants even when we're not a member of them, so I don't think he's got a lot of common sense. So from the stuff that I'm hearing coming out of Labour recently, I'm not too impressed in all honesty. This does worry me that they're just going to make all the mistakes the Conservatives made just worse. That's what I think is probably going to happen as well. You mentioned that HS2 being a waste of time. It's not a waste of time if you're a significant investor in the project, which I think clearly a lot of our ruling class are. So that's just going ahead, despite what anyone wants. It's completely undemocratic. You've got to remember, HS2 benefits a lot of MPs and a lot of their mates because 
a lot of the MPs have got to travel from between the north and the south of the country all the time. So getting between the north and the south, it does actually benefit them a lot. So much for remote working, eh? Yes. So it's more to do with the benefits of MPs, I think. And a lot of the good stuff they've got in here is things that are already going to happen anyway. I agree with what the commenters at the end of the article say there, that it's just not bold enough. Like where they say about free breakfast clubs. No, free school meals for all children, please. More, I agree that they need more aggressive policies. There's just not enough meat here. It's disappointing. Hopefully they'll listen to that feedback in their party conference and come up with... Did they say that they were scrapping the House of Lords? Because that sounded quite good to me, because I think it's completely undemocratic, the House of Lords. I think the House of Lords could be useful as an advisory board and a way of keeping the government in check. We have already got the royal family for that, or Mm. we're supposed to, but their role is mostly ceremonial now. I think there is a place for a House of Lords but it needs massive, massive reform and cutback. So what do you think we should do? Because, like I said, do you think it should be government officials appointing them, or do you think the public should vote on the House of Lords as well? Why can't it be 50-50, have an allocation? Who do you think should allocate them? Do you think it should be the politicians like we are doing now? Because, like I say, it changes between party and party. My instinct would be, say, if you were going to have... 100 lords, maybe have 50 that come in through common vote, 40 that are chosen by government, and then 10 that are chosen by the royal family. That sounds about right to me. Okay. <laughs> I still I still think it's a bit of a waste, but yeah, I can understand why you might want it to be a bit more stable, because uh, if it's just going through one house all the time... Yeah, um, our country will be keep flip-flopping water between policies. Yeah, I do see a place for a House of Lords, but at the same time, if it was completely scrapped, I wouldn't cry a river over it. I'd give that a go. Labor I do, do think it is undemocratic, though. We've seen, we've seen a lot of the Lib Dems peers and the Labour peers uh, block a lot of the stuff that the Conservatives have done even when they're not elected and even when the public have voted on those things. So I do think that it is a bit undemocratic. They even tried to block Brexit. So I'm hoping that Labour do launch a more radical manifesto than this blueprint suggests at the end of the conference season. We shall see. I haven't got much hope because they know they're going to get in power anyway. Keir Starmer's quite left-wing, but I think at the same time he's trying to appeal to two audiences here. He's trying to appeal to the public, then he's also trying to appeal to his party as well. So he's he's trying to do two jobs at once, really, isn't he? That's the game they're in. And obviously he may not be doing a good job at running the country, but he seems to be doing a good job at pleasing the public and his party at the moment. He's our next Prime Minister. I don't have any doubt about it. He probably will be. Richie Sunak's probably struggling. Although, um, I saw some weaknesses in the polls at the end of last week, but in recent days, I have seen the Conservatives move slightly up the polls. So we'll just have to wait and see. We might find that as the election gets closer, they may actually make some gains in the polls. That's just my prediction, but um, that could be wrong. 
Well, one thing that he does talk about there is new NHS reform and improvements, and there's certainly a lot of work to be done. For a start off, the NHS waiting list in England has hit a new record of 7.7 million people, approximately one in seven waiting for treatment. This marks a significant increase in both the overall list and those facing extended waits of a year or more compared to the previous month. Over the last decade, the waiting list has steadily grown, surpassing 3 million in 2014, 4 million in 2017, 5 million in 2021, and reaching 7 million in 2022. And we're almost at 8 million, let's be honest. In February 2020, before the onset of the COVID pandemic, the waiting list stood at 4.57 million. Since then, it has surged by over 3 million, reaching 7.68 million as of July this year, the highest number since records began in August 2007. Richie Sunak has emphasised reducing waiting lists as a priority for 2023, committing in January to expedite care for Patients, recent data reveals that 389,952 individuals in England waited more than 52 weeks for routine hospital treatment by the end of July, an increase from 383,083 at the end of June. Additionally, an estimated 7,289 people have been waiting over 18 months for routine hospital treatment by the end of July. In terms of cancer care, urgent cancer referrals from GPs increased to 263,696 in July, a 1% rise from June and a 10% increase year on year from July 2022. However, the proportion of cancer patients seeing a specialist within two weeks of urgent GP referral fell below the target of 93%. Regarding performance standards, the proportion of patients diagnosed or ruled out for cancer within 28 days slightly improved but remained below the target. Siva and Davis Siva, the chief analysis at the King's Fund think tank highlighted persistent challenges in healthcare services, particularly in AE, where patient wait times are below recovery targets. He emphasized that ongoing industrial action, such as the upcoming combined junior doctors and consultant strike, will impede efforts to address the backlog. NHS England noted improvements in ambulance response times despite a &E departments experiencing their busiest summer a saw over 6.5 million attendances in june july and august surpassing the previous record in 2019 however the shadow home secretary was straighting criticized the unacceptably long waiting times 
attributing the backlog to government inaction and failure to address NHS strikes. Now, what did you make of that, Roger? It makes me wonder what the solution is. More staff, better conditions for the existing staff so they don't go on strike. There seems to be no easy way to solve this problem. No, there doesn't, and it just seems to keep on rising, even when Richie Sunak pledged to reduce NHS waiting lists. It wouldn't surprise me if one day we see the NHS in trust, the same way that schools have done, where elements of the NHS are put into the hands of charities or or basically private companies. It's not going very well at the moment, is it? Um, It seems to be completely broken. If the waiting list rose from 7.57 million to 7.68 million. That's like 110,000 that the waiting list has grown by in just a month. So do you think the solution lies with immigration policy? Too many people? Or do you think it's the way the NHS is run? Immigration may have an effect on that because the number of patients registered with a GP in England increased by 53,906 between the 1st of August and 1st of September 2023, which takes the total number of patients in England registered with a GP to 62,700,851. is a lot lower than... 110,000, isn't it? It is, and isn't the population of the UK about 68 million? This is just England's GP registrations, but like I say, the population of England is supposed to be in the uh, at the end of the 50-something um, millions, but like I say, the uh, population on the GPs is much higher, which suggests obviously we're well undercounting the population in England. I think we do have a massive health crisis. And if you've got more patients on the GP registrations uh, numbers, you're also going to have longer waiting times anyway, aren't you? So what do you think is the best solution, Adam? Don't get ill, be healthy, look after yourself? Well, I think that's a good solution, yeah. But obviously the Prime Minister can't control everyone's health. I think the best way is that we just need to make sure our medics stay here and make sure that we're constantly training more people up. Yet we've reported before on the podcast there seems to be a shortage of people wanting to work in the medical profession. Yeah, so I think that's probably the best solution. But uh, Labour were the people that founded the NHS. Do you think they're going to reduce waiting times? I think Labour are just going to do what the Conservatives did, just probably more incompetently. I don't see Labour improving things. In fact, I can only see Labour making things worse. There's a lot of MPs in the Labour Party that are very left-wing in the political establishment and they're going to be pressuring Keir Starmer to actually introduce silly policies, very radical policies, but policies that are not affordable, policies that have other consequences. So I think Labour are going to be a disaster Maybe I should start nudging my girls towards wanting to work in the medical profession because there certainly seems to be a lot of work to be done there. That is true. There is. There certainly is a lot of work to be done there. And there's no doubt about it. Um, But like I say, they need to train people. But if you, I mean, if you train up to be 
a doctor or train up to uh, deal with certain types of patients. I'm sure they'll let, us, let anyone in once you're uh, trained up. Well, obviously, you'll have to be trained up first, but, yeah, there certainly is a lot of work to be done in the NHS. But like I say, it is skilled work, isn't it? Yeah, and I have a brother who works for the NHS and he works tremendously hard and does an amazing job. So whenever I slate the NHS on here, I do always want to point out that the frontline staff, and, and in fact, a lot of the backroom boys as well, uh, boys and girls, um, work extremely hard in the NHS and do a great job. But there is wastage out there. What do you mean by wastage, if you don't mind saying? Administration, bureaucracy, mm. diversity and culture. Um, any Basically yeah. anything that isn't patient-centred. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of the money has been spent on those types of roles rather than on actual medics. But unfortunately, with our ageing population, it's only going to get worse. For our final article, I'm going to move to the younger end of our population with an article about what else when it's young people, technology, and the way that the technical companies deal with and respect our young people, which is they don't. Because Irish regulators have imposed a £300 million fine on TikTok, marking the largest fine the platform has faced for breaching children's privacy. But I can tell you £300 million is nothing for TikTok. The violation pertains to how TikTok handled children's data in 2020, specifically regarding age verification and privacy settings. The fine was issued under the EU's General Data Protection Regulation, with the Data Protection Commission of Ireland finding TikTok lacking transparency in privacy settings for children and not adequately addressing data processing concerns. TikTok has been given three months to align its data processing fully with GDPR requirements. The platform is also under investigation for potential illegal data transfers from the EU to China. TikTok's just poisonous, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, and TikTok are not doing a great job. You end up seeing um, a lot of this on GB News and on Twitter, actually. I see videos about migrants, migrant smugglers are using TikTok and they're posting all legal videos and TikTok are very slow to remove them. And the trouble is, even if you did do away with TikTok, something else would replace it. So it's hard to know what to do. It's a bit like playing whack-a-mole. So do you think this online safety bill is a bit pointless, to be honest? I know we've mentioned about it clamping down on free speech, uh, hurty feelings stuff. But yet, like I say, it's very difficult to police the internet anywhere. People can hide themselves um, on the internet. I can't remember what they're called, but people can actually make it so that uh, people don't know where they are anywhere. So there are ways of getting around it. Well, this is it. Even if you do police the internet, eventually then people will just move on to the dark web. And even children are starting to know about this stuff now. Are they really? Oh, yeah. It's a very um, powerful tool with a lot of potential, but it's tremendously scary as well. Does the dark web concern you at all? No, because I think as technology improves, it'll become a lot less dark. I think there's always going to be ways of tracing and monitoring and breaking and hacking on both sides security and 
the cyber criminals will always be in an arms race against each other. No criminals, they do seem to be struggling to find these people smugglers. There were also this week a threatening email sent out around Liverpool and Manchester to some schools, and then, yeah, it ended up appearing in some West Yorkshire schools. So it does appear they're struggling to find some people on the web. I think eventually this technological arms race will boil down to AI and who's got the best AI that can evolve and, and track and, and find people and keep the internet safe for us human beings. But the AI may also help criminals cover the, themselves up as well at the same time. Yep, it's just a constant arms race and um, I don't think it will ever go away until... Um, technology meets some sort of physical barrier if you like to mention your views uh, listeners you can do at britainnewspod at gmail.com you may be much more up to date that technology than we are um so it'd be lovely to hear from you we're still waiting on our first official email so be sure to email us and also be sure to share it with your family and friends to grow this thing Absolutely, that's the figure that we want to go up, our listenership. We've had a few extra couple of listeners in the um, last couple of weeks, so if you are one of those new listeners, spread the word like Adam says. So thank you everyone for listening and taking part in debate. Anyone who wants to email, please feel free. But for now, um, it's goodbye, and uh, we'll be back again with another podcast, hopefully, um, next week. And I will thank you, Adam, as well, before we finish, because you've helped me wake up and get ready for a nice evening. You enjoy the rest of your evening, Roger? I will. I'm going to be um, listening to what my wife has to say about this Channel 4 documentary and playing on my PlayStation. Sounds interesting. Anything good on Channel 4? Well, it's that um, Russell Brand thing. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, that thing that I mentioned. Not much of interest to me, but you may find it more interesting than me. Oh, no, I don't find it interesting at all, but my wife does, so I know I'm going to be hearing about it. Goodbye, everyone. In a bit. I am still a skeptic, yes, you know me. Been best friends in the